0: Mac Power Users, Episode 145, Keyboard Maestro, Turn 6. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie?
1: I'm doing great, David. How are you?
0: I I was thinking about your name. I think... You have to Mm. say the whole thing. You just have to say Katie Floyd because they go together just right. So
1: I'd never really thought about that.
0: I don't think I can just call you Katie. I got to call you Katie Floyd. Okay. In in my head, you're Katie Floyd.
1: Well, I mean, that's my Twitter handle and my website and my everything's just Katie Floyd. It's also
0: your name. It is my name. Yes. But there's some people that have one of those names where you put the front and the back end together and it doesn't really work. But, you know, like Katie Floyd, that works.
1: I'm, I'm, it, 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 it's a nice kind of, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad you think so.
0: You and Benedict Cumberbunch batch. Yes. Butch.
1: Yeah. Apparently I, you know, okay.
0: My daughter has a, my daughter has a thing for him now. I'm (laughs) pretty sure. (laughs)
1: He's evil.
0: She wants to go. She's into, now she's into Sherlock after I've been telling her to watch it for two years. Now she's finally into it. No. She wants to see the Star Trek movie again.
1: You need to be careful. You got yelled at last time for spoiling stuff.
0: I'm, I'm not saying what happened, but if you haven't watched Sherlock, the, and I'm not talking about the American version. I'm talking about the, uh, I guess it's it BBC or the one with Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Yeah. I've, I put that on my Amazon instant queue. Oh, my Netflix so good. Instant Queue. I think
0: it's so good. I've got okay. so much good
1: stuff to watch this summer. I won't go off on a rat hole, but I just finished fringe. I always say fringe for the summer and I just finished fringe and I just watched the season finale. And I cried a little bit, not because, just because I love the show so much and now it's over.
0: I never got into that, but but Mm -hmm. Sherlock is good. And there's only six episodes and you're caught up. So you're good. All right. Uh, So today we have a couple of admin things to talk about. (laughs) And the first one is show 150 is coming up. And we had so much fun doing show 100, which was our listener show. And we had so many great listeners write in and it went over really well. So we decided we're going to do it every 50. So we're at 150 is coming up. That's five shows from now. If you have something you'd like to talk about to the Mac Power Users audience, some cool workflow or ways you get things done with your Apple technology, send us a note and we're going to do one of those shows again where we're going to have several people on and it's going to be a circus and fun all at once.
1: Yep. So here's the specifics of how you do it. Send us an email, feedback at macpowerusers.com. I want you to put the words show 150, show space 150 in the subject line. And then I want you to tell us this is not a workflow show with you. We're not going to spend an hour and a half. This is, you know, ten minutes max. So pick one part of your workflow, one cool thing that you do with your Mac, with your iPod, with your iPhone, with your technology that integrates your Mac. One cool thing that you want to share with MPU listeners, tell us how you do it. Keep it, you know, is is make it as long as you need to, but as you know. Keep it short if you can, because we're going to get a lot of these and we've got to go through them Um, and write it up and send it to us. And we're going to put together a list of a couple of people. I don't know yet when we're going to record this. We will likely end up having to pre-record it because David and I have really wacky back to back vacation schedules where I'm gone for two weeks and then he's gone for a week. But we might be able to squeeze it in live. We'll see.
0: Yeah. So send something in and and we uh, I'm always amazed at how smart our listeners are. When I meet them in person and when we hear from them. So send us something great and we'll put you on. Yes. Speaking of which, I, I did a, I got to meet some of our listeners just last weekend. Dan Benjamin was in Los Angeles and I uh, drove out to Santa Monica and met a bunch of Mac Power Users listeners who all said the same thing to me. Where's um, Katie? Exactly. <laughs> except, except they say, where's Katie Floyd? Because oh, okay. they put the names together. They They're like, it's nice meeting you and everything, but where's Katie? <laughs> I thought she was here. Wait, it's just you?
1: And then oh, they'd ask for leaving. their money
0: back. They'd throw their drinks on me. It was kind of embarrassing, but yeah. it was fun. And they were all smart. You know, it's like doctors and uh, educators. It's just, it, it, I think I met two PhD students that night. It's just, it always blows me away how smart people are that listen to the show. Second bit of housekeeping is RSS move. And we've been talking about this, but we just keep saying it. So, you know, uh, we are officially moving our RSS, um, feed for the podcast over to five by five. Yeah, we never got around to
1: doing that when we when we moved the show years ago, but okay.
0: Yeah, so then it'll be there's a possibility we won't show up in your podcatcher or iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. And you, dear listener, the one that's listening to me right now, you are my favorite listener and we cannot lose you. So if for some reason we stop showing up, uh, go to five by five and resubscribe. But we think that shouldn't happen to anybody. But just be warned. All right.
1: Okay. All right. We're five minutes in. Can we start getting into geeky stuff now? Yeah, I
0: know. I know. I know. Okay. But uh, so, keyboard maestro. First of all, I would say that Sherlock is pretty geeky. But without digressing any further. Uh, Keyboard Maestro is a show we covered in 2011. It was show 64.
1: You know, and it I've doesn't been... seem that long ago because this was really my first introduction to Mac Drifter. You know, Gabe Weatherhead, who's now yeah, like Gabe, a super famous podcaster and all.
0: Gabe, I just, now I just like opened the door for Gabe.
1: I right. Don't...
0: In fact, I offered when I met Dan, I told him, because you know, he's got that thing about bathrooms. I told him, look, Dan, we're in the same building. If you get stuck, text me, I will come open the door for you.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Anyway, um, so so we had Gabe, and Gabe is really into Keyboard Maestro, among other things. And uh, Gabe's got his own podcast now, too.
1: Yeah, Generational, over on 5x5. Yeah, 5 5. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Or yeah, JT is, will put a link to that in the show notes. Thanks, JT.
0: Which is really good. I, I just really like Gabe. And uh, anyway, so we did the show on automation. And that was kind of the first show we did in this tour of automation products. And I thought it was a good place to start. But I, the more I think about it, it's a better place to end because – Keyboard Maestro is a strange app in a lot of ways because I know people who are like just crushing it with Hazel. They've got these amazing rules. And I know people who just do great stuff with text expander. And they always have this this point where you say Keyboard Maestro. And they say, yeah, I know that one's out there, but I'm not really sure what it's for. It seems like I call it the Keyboard Maestro hang up disease that, you know, it's not easily categorized like Hazel or Text Expander. Hazel deals with files. Text Expander deals with text. You know, so it's really easy to wrap your head around what it can make better. So you're not. Ex-
1: yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm I'm raising my hand. I'm I'm one of those people. I played around with Keyboard Maestro back I guess in 2011 when we did the show. I've got a license for it. That's it says that I bought in September of 2011. That must be when we did the show. Yeah. And um, I, I used it for a while and then I just kind of went back to my beloved Hazel and Automator and Text Expander and all that other stuff that I used to do my automation and I got by and. Then when you said we another version of Keyboard Maestro came out and we got to do it again, I said, oh, I'm going to need some time with this.
0: Yeah. So so you kind of went back at it with the beginner's mind, which is cool. Uh, I've been using it for for quite a while. And I think this hang up disease, the problem is, like I said, you can't figure out where it goes. And so there's a little bit more resistance. The other thing
1: part of it was, why do I need one more thing? Everything, Nothing. you know, we, we all get into this. You can really, and I think it was Dr. Drang had a, had a post on this recently. We can really get into over automating and, and you need to be careful at, at what point are you just automating for the sake of automating and at, at what point are you adding more confusing and at what point are you creating conflicts? And, and, and so my thought to it is, why do I need to add one more thing? Why do I need to have one more thing start up when I start up my Mac? My life is working just fine. Why do I need to, you know, complicate things.
0: Yeah. And, and one point I would make is if you're a keyboard maestro fan and you really figure it out, if you had to have one automation tool, maybe it's the best one because it's yeah. got, it's, you know, it does so many different things. It's kind of a jack of all trades in some regard. Um
1: I'm not giving up text expander.
0: No, well, I wouldn't either. And, and the, the, that's not a really good position to take. These, these applications are not that expensive and i think they're all very worthy. I couldn't a, a mac without text expander, hazel, keyboard maestro and a good launcher like launchbar or alfred or quicksilver to me is not a complete mac.
1: So You're we've science? been we've been talking about keyboard maestro for a little while. Let, let's let's talk a little bit about what it can do because it it really is kind of the the application that does a lot of things. And so I knew some of the basic stuff that Keyboard Maestro can do. I, I knew that it could open things. You know, it could open files, it could open folders, it could open applications and URLs. And I knew that it could execute Apple scripts and Automator actions and shell scripts and things like that. And I had played around before, not very successfully, with having Keyboard Maestro do things like, and this is really interesting if you can implement it successfully, it can do things like press buttons or select menu items or keystrokes. But it can also do stuff with files and images. And what's really interesting is, is when you kind of put all of this stuff together with the, the stuff that not only that it can do, but the stuff that it can monitor.
0: Yeah. Can I kind of can back, whole, up yeah, back, up, bit, back up just a little bit though? Because I I think one of the things that's daunting is if you go to the website and you look at a screenshot, and it's kind of funny. I, I want to say it's Keith. It's a it's another one man app. There's one guy who's who's writing this app in essence. And and it seems like those are the best apps on the Mac in so many ways. But he made a joke about I think it's Peter. Peter. That's right, Peter. And so he made a joke on his website when he came out with this version six update saying that it's retina-friendly, which is something like putting lipstick on a pig. And he's not entirely off base there because when you look at the application, it doesn't look user-friendly. You know, it, it doesn't look like something that's really easy. Like Automator really kind of lends itself to a user that's got no experience with automation because you just drag the pieces in and you're good to go. This this follows that. This this does follow that, but it's not as is pretty. You know, you don't have the Apple $100 billion budget behind it to make it look pretty and, and more user-friendly. And I think that's one of the reasons why people can't get started. So there's people out there that listen to this that are computer professionals and programmers and used to scripting and programming where this will be no problem. But there's a lot, lot, lot more people listening to the show that aren't those people. And, and those are the ones that I think should really give Keyboard Maestro a chance because those tools that Katie was talking about can be accessed by anyone. You don't need to be a pro to make this work. And we're going to talk about in a little bit the ways that we use it to make our day easier.
1: Okay. So what kind of person would be interested in keyboard maestro? I'd Anybody? Like I, Anybody?
0: I think any Mac user who's interested in automation. And to go back to the Dr. Drang post about, you know, whether you like automation or not, um, he does some, some crazy automation and he's a very talented scripter. So it's very easy for him to whip together a script that's going to do something magical for him. And the point of all of this on one level is to say it's a, it's an investment of time. So if it takes me five minutes to generate a keyboard maestro, maestro script, but that, is going to save me, let's say, one minute every day. You know, it pays for itself in the first yeah, five days. First five days, yeah. And over a year or two years it pays back huge dividends. If it's going to take me two hours to sit down and figure out a regular expression in Perl script to do something that's going to save me one minute every day, it's going to take a long time to get that time back. And so someone like Dr. Drang or Brett Terstra, who is very talented in those advanced scripting languages, that makes sense for them. And then they're nice enough to share whatever they created with the world. So then we can just adopt it. But for most of us out there, we don't have the time, the patience or the horsepower, in my case, to, to sit down and figure out how to do all this stuff from scratch. But something like Keyboard Maestro is a, is a big shortcut. It fits in the category of Automator and, and Hazel and Text Expander and these apps that do the hard work for you. And it's literally drag and drop. So that's why this is for nearly everybody. Anybody who wants to save some time, you don't need to know all that stuff. You can just buy this app and you can do some pretty amazing stuff. I, I think we're teasing people too much. Like, let me give you an example, and I'm going to explain it further later. When I show up to work, Keyboard Maestro sees that I'm on a new Wi-Fi network. It opens a couple apps that I need. It signs me onto the works network server. It attaches me to a printer and it opens my billings text file on my computer. Those things, if you add up all the things I do, that would take some time to do every day. Now I just open the lid of my Mac and it happens. So we'll talk about how we do that in a little bit, but that gives you an idea.
1: And that was really some of the things that got me interested in Keyboard Maestro, again, is when I looked at what was really new in version 6. Um, I mean, you talked about some of this already, like red to support. But some of the, uh, the interesting things is, number one, now you can now sync all your rules. So you can create these on one Mac and move them over to another with Dropbox. But it's, it's got some new triggers. And the ones that are specifically interesting to me were the Wi-Fi network support trigger, like you mentioned, and um, USB triggers was a big one for me. So when you plug in a specific USB device, it does this. Or when you remove a specific USB device, it does something else. Um, and, you know, it's got lots of other improvements too.
0: Yeah. I mean, it goes into Safari. It's got actions in browsers now, which is really useful. If you fill out forms or do things in a web browser, it it can greatly simplify that. Uh, they just uh, Chris Breen just wrote an article, our guest last week. He just wrote an article on Keyboard Maestro as well for Macworld, and he talked about how he has to moderate the forums of Macworld. In fact, I think we talked a little bit about that did, in his yeah. interview. And the process of logging in at Macworld to those forums to do content moderation or maybe ban crazy people uh, takes him multiple clicks in a web browser. And now he's done all that through Keyboard Maestro, where he fires off one keyboard combination. And I believe it. he said it filled in two text fields and checks off four different boxes. So, so do you spend time on the web doing the same thing day in and day out? Hmm. Maybe you should try Keyboard Maestro. Okay. Um, the uh, You know, it does some other stuff. It allows you to do conflict checking and debugging on your rules. And it allows you to share actions. So if I've got something really cool, I can send it out and share it with Katie. And then they've got this plugin architecture now, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. So the application is really cool. Stepped it up with this new version six. So it's worth going back and checking out if you've wondered about it in the past. And uh, oh, by the way, I guess we should say, I mean, they're not a sponsor of the show. They never have been. We just love their stuff. Yeah. Peter's awesome.
1: So speaking of sponsors, let's let's take a quick break and talk about our first one. And then I'll let you talk in a little bit of the basics of how to use keyboard maestros. Does that sound like a plan?
0: It sounds like a plan, Katie Floyd.
1: Let's do it. Our first sponsor for this episode is 1Password, which is another app that I use every day, multiple times a day, multiple hours a day. And I absolutely could not do anything on my Mac without one password, because I don't know how to do anything on my Mac without one password, because I don't know any of my passwords. Because if you want to be really secure on the web, you want to make sure that you have unique, randomly generated gibberish passwords for all of your sites. So there's no sharing of these passwords across multiple websites. And we've talked about this, and you guys know this, and 1Password has been a sponsor for a long time, and we've told you to go preach the good word to your friends and to your family and sign them up for 1Password. But I know there are several of you out there who have bought one password probably because we told you to on Mac Power users, or you've heard about them somewhere else and investigated them, and that's a huge first step. But maybe you've just, as a first step, imported and, and gotten all your passwords into one password. So you're using one password and that's wonderful, but maybe you're not, ta- you haven't taken that next step of, of actually taking all of the passwords that you created, although you've got them in one password and, and change them into truly secure, unique passwords for all of your sites. And that sounds like a daunting task when you, when you sit down to do it the very first time. But it's, it's really one of those things that you don't have to sit down and do it all in a single day or a single setting. It's one of those things that you can do over time, and it's you just kind of got to start. So how I went about that process, because I was the same way, I went from you know using passwords that I'd created on every site to importing those passwords into one password and then using one password and trying to manage my passwords, is the first thing I did is you can create folders, you can create within 1Password, so I created a folder within 1Password of kind of the sites that I accessed regularly. And I put my most important web, you know, I made a couple of folders, sites that I web access regularly, and sites that were what I called my mission critical. And I think you call these your DEF CON websites, David. And I started putting those logins, into one password. And then I went through and I sorted by name and I did a lot of, you know, deleting of duplicates and things like that. And once I had those, I started with the mission critical websites. And I, you know, when you get down to it, there are probably only a half dozen or a dozen mission critical websites. And I did all of those in one sitting and it took me less than 10 minutes to do them all. But I went in and I changed all the passwords for those mission critical websites and got them updated in one password. And then those were done. And then I went through and I started going through the list of, okay, well, these are the passwords that I use every day. And I started doing those. And that maybe took me another 30 minutes. And now I've got myself mostly covered, you know, getting my email accounts, do my bank accounts. And then every single website I come to, I just go in and I make a point to change my password with one password. And then once I've been doing this for a couple of weeks, and I think I've pretty much got it, you can actually go into one password and you can sort by password strength, Or you can search by password. So if you know that you were guilty of using that password, let's say pencil, maybe over and over and over again, you can type pencil in the search box and say search by password. And it can say, Hey, Dave, these are, these are all the passwords that you still haven't changed yet. And they've still got the word pencil in them somewhere. And then you can go through and make a group of all those and then start, you know, checking those off as you go down. So it once you get into it, it's really not that hard. And um, it's something that you really should take the time to do. And maybe you got a little downtime over the summer and now's a good time to do it. So um, thanks to one password for sponsoring Mac power users. And I hope that you'll continue to make good use of it. You can find more information over at onepassword.com.
0: You know what I love about that ad read? What you, was that? you got two war games references. I did. in one ad read. Yes. Yeah. Did you watch war games? I might have. You might have are, are you being coy D. with me are you just are you embarrassed because you're young and you never watched it I know things you didn't answer my question
1: I know lots of things
0: okay um so let's talk about what you can do with 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 keyboard maestro uh, or how do you get into it and the first thing I wrote down when I was outlining this in terms of getting started was two hours I think you have to be willing to commit two hours to get started using it And that sounds a little daunting, but first of all, you're listening to the show. So the stuff is probably kind of fun for you. And I guess that's the other side of what I was talking about earlier with Dr. Drang and making these things. In addition to the pure time investment, you know, how much do I invest in it versus how much do I get back? Do you enjoy doing stuff like this? Because, you know, rather than watching Fringe, I actually kind of enjoy doing stuff like this. So I'll be sitting there um, making little scripts and things to do it.
1: Don't dis Fringe.
0: That wasn't meant to be an insult. I think it kind of sounded like one. But anyway. Uh,
1: Please write, so, David.
0: So two hours, two hours. Take two hours. And there's a bunch of good screencasts on the web. and But it's really not even that hard. If you just go to the Keyboard Maestro website, they've got uh, some walkthroughs. When you download the application, they kind of walk you through a few things. So uh, you have to be willing to spend a little bit of time getting familiar with it. And once you get an appreciation for the tools, Uh, You're going to be doing great, and this reminds me in a lot of ways of Automator on the Mac. When I wrote Paperless, Mm -hmm. a lot lot of people told me that they were always interested in Paperless, but when I did after they saw a couple screencasts on Automator, it really got them excited about using it. Um, Ken Ray is one of the guys who told me that. This is the same thing. In fact, the closest analogy to Keyboard Maestro is is Automator because on the left side of the screen you've got a list of actions. And then on the right side, you've got this workflow that you build that has it work. And, and every workflow really contains two key components. It contains a trigger and an action. So the first thing is the trigger, and it does what you think it is. It is the events that occur in order for whatever action you've built to fire. So it's not going to happen automatically. It's going to require something to happen. And they've got some really cool uh, triggers available in this application so uh you can set the um well where where do we start katie
1: well one of the most basic triggers is you can i mean it is keyboard maestro so one of the most basic keyboard or triggers is a keystroke
0: yeah in fact we got an email from a listener like today uh, as i was going through the the email saying i want to make something that does a few things when i type a keyboard combination what do i do And I'm thinking Keyboard Maestro. I think what he said is he wanted it to load um, ScanSnap software. Well, that's really easy. Well, he wanted to do a few more. I got a
1: better way for that, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. And I guess that's one of the things. That's one of the hangups with this, is almost everything you do here, you could do somewhere else, or at least a lot of the things you could. And that's why people get hung up. They're like, well, I use Launchbar, or I use. I, le- I use Alfred, so I don't need it to start my ScanSnap software, but you can do it, have it do more. So typing a string on the keyboard will fire it off. You can also have what they call hotkey triggers, which is, in essence, the same thing. It's you hold down, you know, shift, control, Y, and something happens. Uh, another type of trigger they have is an application trigger. And that could be something as easily as when an application launches. But it could also be when an application shuts down or when it's, you know, when it's active. One of the common Keyboard Maestro things I have is I've I've talked in the past on the email show how I have my iMac at home running a bunch of rules on the mail application. And it's kind of my poor man's way for server side rules is I've got an iMac that's running a bunch of rules. And so long as mail's running at my house, all that stuff gets handled. So when I open my iPhone, a lot of the emails automatically sorted already. Uh I need that application to keep running but the iMac is shared with three other people in my house who sometimes don't realize how important that is to me and they they shut it down. Well, if if Mail deactivates, there's a Keyboard Maestro that's a trigger that tells it to go ahead and open Mail again. It's a br- it's a really simple Keyboard Maestro action that that I use every day.
1: I think one of the best ways to get started with this because it will really help spur your thoughts on what can I do with this and, and, and what are some things that I'd like to create with this is, and you can't see the action or the actions by default. I think you have, you kind of have to get into creating an action and then it will give you a list of actions that it created. So go in and, you know, pick a trigger and then tell it to make an action and just go through and browse the list of all of the actions that are available And you'll get an idea for the types of hooks that Keyboard Maestro has. And you'll get an idea for the sense of the things that it can do. It can open applications. It can quit applications. It can play song, play something. It can, you know, star a track in in iTunes. It can, you know, remove a star from a track in iTunes. It can increase the volume. It can decrease the volume. It can pause whatever's playing. I mean, there are, I'm not exaggerating when I say hundreds of different actions that Keyboard Maestro can do in addition to all of the actions that you can build, which include AppleScript, script, Automator actions. So when you then combine with the additional actions that you can add to it, I mean, the possibilities are, are almost endless. So I think if you sit down and look at that group of actions, it will start to give you an idea of the types of things that you can do. And I just sat there for the longest time scrolling up and down the group of actions and just making notes. Okay, when, when do I do that? That is something that I do regularly at this time. So okay, I thought about that, and, and so you know I, I would just kind of fill make in your pronoun there.
0: So, so give me an example so when you say that. Give me that. I,
1: I, w- I would look at the at the actions. Okay, so when is something that I okay uh, launch an application? When is a time that I commonly have to launch an application and I don't want to go digging for it? So I you know I'd think about that, and I would look at the triggers, and I would say okay, well when are these triggers? Is there a time when I ever plug in a USB device that I always want a specific application to launch? Okay. So I look at the triggers and I think, okay, well, I plug in these USB devices and then I look at the actions. and I said, yeah, there's an application that I launch every time I plug in a USB device. So every time I plug in my ScanSnap scanner, I want the ScanSnap software to launch. But that's not something that I, I, I don't like to have all this stuff running on my Mac 24 seven. So I don't have it launched in the background. But every time that scanner is plugged in, or every time that scanner is activated, which registers as being plugged in, i.e. I lift the hood, I want that software to launch. So I created a simple keyboard maestro shortcut that says, when this USB item is plugged in, whose name contains scan snap, do this action, launch this software. And then I created a duplicate one that does the exact opposite. When this USB is disconnected, quit this software.
0: So when you plug in your ScanSnap, a ScanSnap software fires up. And when you unplug it, it shuts down.
1: Right. And the beauty is, is I don't have to physically plug and unplug. Just lifting the lid and lowering the lid works the same way.
0: Yeah. Now, you kind of jumped ahead a little bit because you're talking a lot about actions now. And I want to just talk about triggers a bit more so you can get an idea. So we're going to tell you, even though we want you to go look at these menus in this app, but I want to give you an idea of some of the some of the other things you can do, like a system wake trigger. So whenever you lift the lid on your machine, if there's something you want to have happen every time, that's, that's a trigger you can make or a system goes to sleep. There's time triggers that you can set at a specific time and date if you want every Saturday at. 8:30 30 a.m. for some application to load and do something for you you could make that happen so it, it builds in automation tools to all of your applications like let's say OmniFocus. Right. let's say you don't run it every day shame on you but you want it to load up just to sync the library you could have it do that you could have it load up and pause for a while then shut down so there's all these triggers, and, and the new ones that I'm really excited about is um, this this USB device and this wireless trigger. And I think we've already kind of told the story about that. But if you plug in any USB device, it's going to see it. If you've got a thumb drive that you always want to save the most recent version of some folder to, you plug it in, it sees it, it save you can it saves everything to the folder, saves on the thumb drive, ejects the thumb drive. It's it's automation. And I think this stuff is really interesting. I know that I've been talking about automation a lot the last couple of years on Mac power users. And I guess the reason is because I want everybody to adopt it, because computers are there to make our lives easier. And the more we can have it do that kind of stuff, first, it's it's hugely empowering. It feels great. To me, I, I get an endorphin. It's like, all right, it's like doing stuff for me. But also, it, it saves you time to go make something great. Um, the other one is the wireless network trigger, which I mentioned at the top of the show, where If you plug into a network, it can do things for you. So like when I get home, it can load a certain set of apps or it can close a certain set of apps. I have I mentioned earlier, I have a a billing text file I use for work. Well, when I get home, I don't want to look at work stuff. Heck with that. You know, so if it sees my home network, I can have it shut that down. You know, just shut that down. Get it out of my life. It's not there right now. And and I don't
1: mean to jump ahead because I know we're covering that later in the outline and talk about all these actions that we created. But but my point being is if you're lost and you just don't know what you're going to use Keyboard Maestro for, you can download it. There's a a trial. And then just go through the list of triggers and the list of actions and think about what might be some fun things to put together and when do you do those things.
0: Yeah. And if you're going to download it, uh, do it from the website directly. I don't even know if it's in the Mac App Store anymore. It was for a while. But with sandboxing. Uh, there's just way too much coolness in this to uh, to comply with sandboxing. The, then there, there's this one there's one trigger here that I've looked at and I've always wanted to use and I just don't have a use for. It. It's the MIDI trigger. So if you play a note of a certain tone, it it can fire off a um a keyboard master action. And there's just this one like you know the um, close encounters of the third kind. What
1: if, what if you got a MIDI doorbell?
0: Hmm. Mm. Do they make such a thing?
1: I don't know. But like anytime but, anybody rings the doorbell at your house, it does something.
0: Well, I have a MIDI keyboard and I'm always, you know, hacking away at the piano. But I uh, I don't usually have it connected to my Mac. But I was thinking about that movie Close Encounters, you know. Dun, 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 right? Mm-hmm. I want that last note. Dun, dun. I want to, like, if I play the keyboard in my mind, right? If I play that song and I hit that last note right, like in my backyard, a big thing opens up and a rocket launches out. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think?
1: I think you could automate that.
0: I think if I got a hold of Terpstra.
1: And a Mac Mini in the backyard with with some extension cords.
0: And an intercontinental ballistic missile.
1: Or just one of those little model rocket kits that you can buy at the craft store.
0: I'm gonna get Terpstra on this because I think he can whip up a quick script to make that happen. Yeah. I would plug my keyboard into my Mac all the time if I had the ability. I'm not saying I'd do it. I just want the ability to do that. Okay. 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 I'm going off the rails again. All right. So, so the first thing you've got is triggers, and triggers are the thing that can make something happen. It's you know, it's the it's the activating action. So it's it's a great thing to do, and they've got all these these good ones in it. Next, we're going to talk about what you can do with a trigger after you fire one off for an action. But before we do that, I want to talk about Daisy Disk, our sponsor, and uh, they're a longtime sponsor of the show. Daisy Disk is another small developer. It's two guys, Ola and and they make this great software. So, what does Daisy Disk do? It manages the storage on your Mac, and it looks beautiful at the same time. And we're Mac owners, and we are entitled to have beautiful uh, software. Uh, The way it does is it shows these concentric circles showing the storage on your Mac. And with all these SSDs out there, this is kind of a big deal. And it makes it really easy to find the problem areas because they get bigger circles. They get bigger wedges out of this pie. I just recently had an app on my Mac, which will remain unnamed, that has been going crazy and filling up my hard drive to capacity with a cache file whenever I turn my back on it. And so I was going through Daisy Disk and it would find it and I could uh, tag it and I could delete it. Now, everybody says, well, it's just pretty. And there's other apps out there that aren't as pretty and cheaper. So I should just go with one of those. Well, no, you shouldn't, because the reason it's pretty is it makes it easier to find the, the trouble areas and it makes it easier to operate the software. And it's ten bucks. It's not that expensive. It's a hundred percent Mac app that looks good. It's fast and easy to use. It's visually appealing and it's kind of fun. Uh, so go to daisydiskapp.com. And and quickly, I would encourage you to look at their other app. They just came out with another app that's called Unclutter, and that's in the Mac App Store. And that one's only five dollars now. And it's a it's a Mac assistant. You can drag it down from the top of your screen. And you can move files onto it. It's got a little clipboard there for your uh, your clipboard snippets. And it's got text there. So I find I use it all the time when I'm moving around because I've got all these full screen apps running on my my laptop. So when I've got a file, I can put it in there. I can go to a full screen app. And like if I've got a graphic image, I can drag it into Keynote or whatever I'm doing at the time. It's, it's a really nice app that solves a problem that I see every day. So go check out Unclutter. And Daisy does. Again, if you decide to buy one of them, hey, let them know you heard about it from us because these guys are out there trying to make a living. And uh, I really appreciate their support for our show.
1: So I want to talk a little bit because this was my hang up. Now that we know a little bit about what Keyboard Maestro can do and a little bit later, stay tuned. We will talk about examples of how, yes, I have started using Keyboard Maestro and how David is using Keyboard Maestro and putting my simple little actions to shame. But I think we would be remiss on this show if we didn't talk about the alternatives to Keyboard Maestro, and why you should use and when you should use a tool like Keyboard Maestro over other tools. Because, as Montgomery Scott would say, "the right tool for the right job."
0: Is that how he would say it, though?
1: No, that's not how he would say it. But you can say it how he would say it if you want. No, he, he I was want a little drunk to. when he said it. I think. <laughs> I
0: want you to. No, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I want he it, said it I want right before
1: a- he smashed his head into something and passed out. And that whole <laughs> that whole thing was really weird. I just want to say with the whole Scotty Ahura thing. So you know, anyway. So what what are the? We talked a little bit about the alternatives to Keyboard Maestro. Katie,
0: are you blushing?
1: <laughs> Automator, AppleScript, <laughs> Hazel um one that i use called Lingon and then alfred and launchbar with all the actions that you can add on i'm still talking and okay um,
0: <laughs> okay well, let's with tell me about Lingon cuz i've never really got my head wrapped around that one
1: okay so Lingon, okay let's let's back up a little bit you know what a cron's job is yeah Okay. For those who don't know, cron job is basically this little internal clock in your computer that will fire off jobs at specific times. And it can either be at this specific time, like 8.52 p.m., or it can be like every on the, you know, uh, on the half hour of every hour or the 15 minute of every hour or five minutes or every, you know, at, at certain intervals. So what Lingon can do is it can allow you it it can help give you access to these cron jobs and help you automatically schedule things. So you know how you said you have a keyboard maestro widget that when mail.app quits it reopens mail.app? Yeah. I have a Lingon script I don't even think is the right word but I have a Lingon action that's on my Mac Mini Home server that does the same thing and it says number one, uh, there's two checkboxes one, launch mail.app at login, which you know you could also do by adding it to your login items, but this is another way to do it. And number two, this is the important one, restart application upon quit or crash. And that may not be the exact verbiage of the box because I'm not looking at it in front of me, but it's very clear what it says. You basically restart this application when it quits. And so what LingOn will do is it will, if Mail.app quits or crashes or otherwise it senses that Mail.app is not running, Lingon will restart it. There's also a checkbox that says something like keep this application running. So that's how I keep mail.app running. And I use this for a couple of things. I use this um, for OmniFocus because have have you ever gone to um, hit the keyboard shortcut to pop something into Omni? I was going to talk about this later. Um, Pop something into OmniFocus and find that it's not running. So you got to go launch OmniFocus. Yeah. So I use this to keep OmniFocus going. At all times. At all times.
0: I wonder, I don't know. Um, whether or not there is a system cost to running keyboard maestro versus Lingon to have them do that because I do the same thing in keyboard maestro. Yeah. I'd I'd be curious to know if there is an advantage to using one over the other.
1: Yeah. And then I I have kind of a funky and you have this too. I have a funky Dropbox installation on my work machine where occasionally I'll find that it doesn't start up or it quits and it doesn't restart or whatever. So yeah. I just I just make sure that Dropbox keeps going.
0: So do you see that better or worse than Keyboard Maestro for that function?
1: I, I just see LingOn as a, a lightweight application that will do that function. I also okay. have LingOn set to, um, like sometimes if we have a power interruption or our server has a little hiccup at the office, I'll lose my connection to the server. And so I set LingOn to automatically... Log me into the server if I'm not already logged in every 15 minutes or so.
0: Yeah. So so that replaces a piece of what Keyboard Maestro does for you. Right. It doesn't do everything that Keyboard Maestro does. It doesn't right. sense Wi-Fi networks and USB plug-ins, and it doesn't have as much power on the action end either. It doesn't have all the actions that are available to Keyboard Maestro. But it's so it's a it's a more modest application that does a, a bit of a more modest task. Sure. But that's if that's all you need, Lingon's good enough. How much does Lingon cost?
1: Uh it's either 3 bucks or 5 bucks. And 3 dollars yeah, okay. 3.99 okay. or 4 $2. $3. <laughs> or 2.99 $2. <laughs> or 3.99. I don't remember.
0: Whereas Keyboard Maestro is $36. So I can see if that's all you need then you're good. Hazel, uh Hazel is a is a great file management tool. I don't think Keyboard Maestro really does file management as well as Hazel does. I don't think it even has the types of rules that Hazel does. You know, Hazel's got all this stuff that looks at the contents of files. I don't think you can even do that in Keyboard Maestro. haven't tried. Mm, Have you? Know.
1: I don't think, you, like looking I mean, inside the contents of a file?
0: Yeah, I mean, I the triggers, yeah. Or is there a file with the name X and what are you going to do with that file? I, I look at Hazel as a file management tool and this that's really a a specialty that Keyboard Maestro doesn't cover. So I would I don't think if you're a great Hazel user, you're still going to want to consider Keyboard Maestro because it does a different set of tools. Did did I say in the show last week that about the new Hazel rule that looks at dates and pulls it out? I think I did, didn't I? Think I think
1: you might have mentioned it.
0: Yeah, cash I still can't get the, over that. I've getting so many emails from people about that screencast that are just blown away that it can look inside the file, pull out the date and put it in the name. It was like the uh It was a big deal for people. Okay. Apple script. Apple script has got a much higher learning curve. Um, It does. It can do a lot of these things. It may, I think there's some things Apple script could probably do that this couldn't do, especially like text manipulation and probably to an extent file manipulation. But there's a big learning curve at the front of that. You're not going to pick that up in two hours. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I'm sorry.
1: No, you're not going to pick up AppleScript. Yeah,
0: and, and I'm not sure, boy. If we had someone here like Ben Waldy who who lives and breathes AppleScript, they could tell me exactly where the the lines are drawn between what Keyboard Maestro and AppleScript uh, are. But I think that I'm sure there's areas where Keyboard Maestro is better. Like I don't know how on earth I could write an AppleScript to detect the Wi-Fi network and then take some action based on it, but. That being said, I'm pretty sure Ben Waldi could whip that up in like 30 seconds after I've said that. Um, so anyway, it's uh, it's a very different beast. It's a lot harder to get into. Then there's Automator, which is the simpler version of Apple Script, and it's by Apple. Uh, in a lot of ways, Automator is easier than Keyboard Maestro, in my opinion.
1: I, I think Automator is as well. And I think uh, Automator and Keyboard Maestro have a lot in common and i think keyboard maestro really probably could could learn from an automator's interface because a lot of the t- types of things that they do are very similar but automator's kind of drag and drop and pretty kind of yummy feeling interface yummy feeling interface you know what i meant by that right
0: um no no katie did, Ford, that make, what did you mean did
1: that make you uncomfortable it's it's um it's 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 pleasant and pleasing interface uh, is less intimidating
0: I actually knew what you meant. I just okay, wanted to hear you describe it.
1: Yes. But
0: yeah. I think one of the reasons why it's harder is keyboard maestro has more variables and more customization with their actions. Um, Automators is in a lot of ways, it's binary. You know, it's a one or a zero and
1: yeah, but you can, not, you can add some more customization. Like, you know, Ben waldi has got those add on packs for automator and things like that.
0: Yeah. But in terms of the individual Lego bricks, usually it's one, it's usually just one thing. And sometimes they do give you some options. Like if you're going to convert a graphic image, you'll say, well, do you want to convert it to PDF or do you want to convert it to TIFF or JPEG? So there's a couple instances in Automator where you have some selection. In almost every instance in Keyboard Maestro with both triggers and actions, you've got some degree of customization to decide once you place it in there. Like if you say open an app, it's going to say which app, and you're going to have to figure out which app it is. And I think there's more of that in Keyboard Maestro. So I think that's one challenge. But at the same time, I think that Keyboard Maestro could definitely do a better job of laying this stuff out. And that's why I think people have trouble with it. You know, people who don't program computers for a living, like me, can look at this and get intimidated because it seems a little, you know, fiddly.
1: It, Yeah, it is. And...
0: And I guess my argument is it's worth it. Spend two hours. You'll figure it out. You're a smart person. If you listen to Mac power users, you're really smart, right? No, that's true. And uh, and before you know it, stuff will just start happening on your computer and it'll make you grin a little bit if you're a nerd like me. Okay. Uh, then the other one is the launchers, you know, Alfred, LaunchBar, Quicksilver. We could just say Alk for that short. Oh, Does that work?
1: Sure. That works. Let's do that.
0: Because you know, and everybody a lot of, will
1: know what we mean when we there's say there's a out. lot of
0: religious fervor, depending on which one you use. So, but they all have some really great ways to get things going and, and launch. And you know, in a, in some way, the the launch. I'm sorry, the quicksilver view of the world, kind of the nouns and verbs leave you where you pick something and you do an action to it. It's like the granddaddy of all of this in my mind. That's the first time I've ever seen a computer interface do that. And this is kind of the same thing, but a little more deliberate. So those will do some of these things, but they're not going to detect Wi-Fi. They're not going to detect a USB connection. Um, they're not going to do something at a set time. They're they just, you know, they, they're by design meant to be more limited. And so there's a place in your life for more than one of these products is where I'm at. Right?
1: I, I think that's true. And and,
0: and I guess until now, for me, the
1: the little bit of the struggle is finding... When to use I think you can do more in keyboard maestro, and I think perhaps that was my problem is is I was compiling convoluted scripts on our convoluted workflows and convoluted automator actions on top of convoluted Havel scripts and things when when maybe I could have just done it one with one keyboard maestro thing because I was trying not to add one more thing to my workflow
0: yeah, and I think you're a good example of a lot of our listeners that they figured out a couple of these, and they don 't want to give up the bandwidth to have to figure out another one. And even then, you know, there's like a decision anxiety. It's like, which one do I use? I mean, it was real easy when I had LaunchBar and Hazel, you know, I knew which, in TextExpander, I knew where to go for whatever tools I wanted to do. And now you're saying, well, I'm going to add something else. And now I've got to figure out when it's appropriate. And it's easier just not to bother with it. Yeah. And 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 I
1: think, I think Keyboard Maestro is kind of one of those things that, you figure out what you want to do with it. You set up some initial actions and then you forget about it until you decide you want to do something else. And then you set up an action and then you forget about it. I don't think think it's something you're in and out of every day.
0: And and no matter which one of these uh, automation tools you're in, I think there's a certain bit of, I guess I'd call it situational awareness when you catch yourself doing things repeatedly. I mean, I'm really good at it with text because I've been using text expander so long. That whenever I type anything and I say, you know, I've I've written this once before, I just make a snippet and and you know the most recent version of Text Expander makes it so easy to create a snippet from any bit of text. You can do it right in the menu bar, and so I can do it with almost zero uh, feedback or or delay, and then I've got that. And so I, I catch those very easily. I'm not as good as catching things with Keyboard Maestro. I have to go in and fiddle with the app a little bit, and then it'll trigger something that I want to build. And I want to do it more often. But I think you're really a great example person for this discussion. Because a couple weeks ago when I was saying, I really want to do this show, and you're like, I don't know. I don't even care for the app that much. But now all of a sudden you're kind of a believer, at least on some level. Mm -hmm. So how did you find it fits? Where is it that this fits for you?
1: I think this fits for the places that I was trying to squeeze the other tools into that they just didn't work. I, I mean, for e- example, and I'll, and I'll talk about some of my workflows later, but I had a couple of convoluted automator actions that included Script that were bouncing off of Hazel rules that I was bouncing off of something else that, you know, kind of 30% of the time didn't work because something didn't fire in the proper order. You know, and it was like, you know, it was kind of like you were pinballing things back and forth. And it worked when it worked, but then it didn't work because, you know, you had to get everything to line up in the proper sequence because
0: Yeah. The bowling ball has to fall on the spatula and the mouse mouse has to land in the toaster and yeah.
1: Yeah. Mousetrap's a better analogy for that. So I I think that's where Keyboard Maestro comes in. And I think it absolutely comes in for anything that you want to do with a Wi-Fi or with a USB action, which I know we'll talk about later. In fact, are we there? Are we ready to talk about some of our actions?
0: Yeah, I think we probably are.
1: But I'm going to do one more stall before we get there and talk about our next sponsor, and that is the Omni Group. Um, because I want to talk about another thing that I must admit that I have gotten out of for a while. And within the last couple of months, I have just really reinvigorated myself and gotten back into full-fledged, and that is OmniFocus. And I've been using OmniFocus for years, and I think we talked about on the podcast for a while ago, I was a Things user, and I just kind of outgrew that, and then I switched over to OmniFocus. And then I kind of got into this rut at work because I wasn't using a Mac at work, and I got into this problem where I just wasn't using OmniFocus for everything, and I was using it for some things, but then I wouldn't go check it regularly. And then I had this big kind of, you know, I won't say blow up or crisis or anything, but I, I just kind of got to this, this place in my life where I, I felt like I had, I had had enough and things weren't working. And I felt like I was barely keeping my head above water and something had to give. And I really at that time, just kind of doubled down and refocused and got back into OmniFocus. And I've been back in it now for, I'd say about two or three months. And every day I I just am so thankful that I've I've I, I feel much more prepared to tackle the day because I feel much more clear headed. Um Because I feel like I know what I have to do now. I may not know how to do it, because that's another issue. But at least I know what the problem is, or what the task is in front of me that I have to do. And that's the thing about OmniFocus that I think has really helped me more than anything is it has given me structure to my day. And it has given me a plan. And it's kind of given me a focus of instead of just kind of sitting around waiting for the next crisis to plop on my desk or kind of aimlessly going through my physical inbox on my desk and seeing what the options are, or when I got an email and responding some, to something or when somebody would remind me there's a deadline or when something would pop up on my calendar in being very reactive to things, I feel like I'm now being more proactive. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, half the battle is just knowing what's out there. Yeah. And so it gets you a way to do it.
1: That's what OmniFocus has done for me. And if, if you're kind of in a place and you're struggling with it, um, I'm using OmniFocus. And the, the things that I want to focus on, if I can give you any kind of tools, download the demo of OmniFocus for your Mac um, and, and start there. And start with a brain dump, and then really start with focusing on capturing the things that you have to do. When you're on a phone call, and when you're talking to somebody, and that that conversation with somebody generates follow-up tasks, I immediately pop open that quick entry window in OmniFocus and list off the tasks that I have to do. And when somebody walks into my office and hands me an assignment or talks to me about something... I quickly open up a inter- quick entry window in OmniFocus and jot off the tasks. Or what I do if I'm out and about is I, you know, Siri into the reminder app on my iPhone and those all sink in. And I'm not necessarily doing these tasks. I'm not necessarily acting on these tasks. But for me, and we can talk about the whole GTD philosophy, but for me, what has been better than anything right now is just capturing those tasks. And then what I do is at the end of the day before I leave or when I have some extra time is then I'll go through and I'll process those tasks and I'll assign due dates and I'll figure out what I have to do. And every morning that's the first thing that I do when I get in the office. Is I Well, first thing I do is I get myself a cup of coffee. But then I sit down with my cup of coffee at OmniFocus and I go through and I say, what is it that I have to do? What are these tasks that are coming up? What has due dates? And I kind of just plan a checklist for my day and I know these are the – These are the half dozen or so things that I need to accomplish today. And I start going at it and I just, I feel a little more at peace. So that's my thing for OmniFocus. And if you've gotten out of it, um, just really, my tip is focus on capture and get all the stuff that you have to do into that system, refer back to the system and and it'll give you a starting point. So,
0: yeah, you know, I would toot my own horn. I think those screencasts I did on OmniFocus are pretty good. And if you haven't watched them and you're having trouble, watch them. I know it takes a while. To- I think in total, they're about four hours. I've kind of I don't even, track. I mean,
1: realistically, I don't think they're quite that long because you've got three and only one of them is more than an hour.
0: Okay. Well, it just yeah. felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you can deal with me for another few hours of your life, uh, it will help. My wife is is at a point where she needs some help with this stuff and she's, despite her best intentions, she's going to actually watch some of the tech stuff I've created and uh, and she's going to watch those screencasts. So go watch them if you have it. I think that'll help you get started.
1: So anyway, you can find more information about OmniFocus, OmniFocus for Mac, for iPhone, for iPad, over at Omnigroup.com. But my, my advice aside, go watching David's screencast. Go grab the 30-day free trial of OmniFocus for Mac and just start dumping stuff in there. And give it a try for 30 days. And just kind of see how you feel as you're religiously capturing things and, and going through the process. And uh, I, I hope you'll feel better. I, I know I have. And uh, thanks Omni group for supporting the show.
0: Okay, Katie, let's talk about it. Now you are a keyboard maestro convert convert. What's the word convert
1: convert. convert. And by the way, Omni Focus just told me I had to take out my trash. So I'll talk to you a little bit later. No, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. I'm a keyboard maestro convert and I don't, Yeah. So you want to know what I've done, what I've set up so far? Yeah. Okay. Well, I talked about my activating and deactivating my ScanSnap software. That's, That's a great cool. place
0: to start too, because a lot an of our listeners, one. yeah, a lot of our listeners are ScanSnap owners or whatever scanner you're using. Make it so you plug it in, or or just think of any USB device you've got that you plug in and you need something to happen. Maybe it's your microphone, maybe and it's I'll tell a you, USB drive.
1: I'll tell you that was the first one I set up because it was easy. It was. Um, it was two steps trigger by if a US device and I made mine generic containing the name ScanSnap, snap so that depending no matter which scan snap I plugged in, it would work because I've got a couple of different models mm-hmm. um, is attached. Then it opens that software and then I just duplicated that rule and did if this USB device is not attached is detached, then quit the software because there's no reason to keep the software running if the scanner's not running.
0: So very easy rule. Trigger is plugging in a USB called ScanSnap, and then action is start an application, which is the ScanSnap software. And then the opposite rule is if USB device called ScanSnap is pulled out, now I'm talking like your mom, uh, then shut down the software. Don't do that to me.
1: She calls it the SnapScan all the time. And then I have to stop and think about, okay, what's right? So then I, w- I was thinking about these USB rules and I thought, okay, well, how else can I build on these USB rules? And then I started getting more complicated.
0: So okay, let's hear it. This one's Go a little crazy. more complicated. Yeah.
1: Th- this is one that I had initially set up with um, with Hazel. And it was one of those those rules that I would say that it worked with Hazel a good 70% of the time, but not always. The rule would have some kind of failure sometimes. And so I've been doing it with Keyboard Maestro, and I've had a much higher success rate, and I'm not sure what the point of failure was with, with Hazel, but it seems to be much more successful with Keyboard Maestro.: okay,
0: So what is it?
1: We've got one of these little USB dictaphones that we use at our office. Yeah. Um, and it, um, there are two ways that I can plug it in. I can either plug it in via USB to my Mac, or I can plug in the, um, I can pop out the little compact not Compact flash, the little memory card, and plug it in. So I said, well, if you detect this volume, and I've, that memory card has a specific name, so I said the name of the, the memory card, if that is mounted, which happens when I plug it in, um, then I want you to do a couple of things. And I, for this one, what I want it to do is I want it to pull the dictation off the card. I want it to email the dictation to my assistant because my assistant has the companion software on her computer running that when she gets the email with it, it will process it in the dictation program. Mm -hmm. And then I want it to remove the dictation from the card, but I want it to save it in another folder on my computer for at least, you know, I think I've got it set up for 30 days so that if anything happens and that dictation gets lost or doesn't happen, that we can go back and restore it.
0: So then you've got a hazel rule on that folder that's going to delete it after 30 days? Right. Okay.
1: So what I did with this one is when this volume is um, is entered, it's going to copy a file to a folder. So take it out of the dictation. And then I've got it set to run an automator workflow. And the automator workflow, that passes it off to the automator workflow that takes the file. Because the, the automator can take a file Generate an email to my assistant and send it. Yeah. And then um, I have a, another action that one of the things that I couldn't find, and maybe you can direct me to this in Keyboard Maestro to eject a volume. So I, I had to create a little two or three sentence Apple script to eject the volume when I was done.
0: What is that script? It's just two or three sentences.
1: Oh, well, it's it's more than two or three sentences. I lied. But okay.
0: Yeah, I is. don't think there is an eject action
1: it's like tell application finder um, do shell script disk util mount disk
0: yeah. slash it's a shell and, script. And yeah
1: it's basically do a shell script yeah
0: it's not even really an Apple script it's now it's
1: script. tell it's executing a shell script through Apple script
0: so you could do that stuff through and so you've got keyboard maestro kind of pulling all the strings on it
1: yeah keyboard maestro is the that's the last action in keyboard maestro is to eject the um, the the dictaphone drive that I've plugged in.
0: So it took you a while to figure that out, but now when you tap in your dictaphone it caught, well actually it moves the file off, correct? You're yeah. not leaving it on your dictaphone, right?
1: No, cuz the next time I plug in my dictaphone it's going to pull yeah, off the next batch.
0: Exactly. So it moves the file off and sends an email and saves it to your burn file on your Hazel list. That's right. pretty good. That's pretty good for somebody two weeks ago didn't know you needed the app.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm impressed. What is this emergency backup one you've got listed?
1: Okay, that's that's another USB one that I use. So I have this, um, Merlin turned me on to this little teeny tiny, it's called a tough and tiny USB flash drive. And it's it is it's smaller than a penny, and it's it sits on your um, on your keychain. It's got a little keychain loop that goes on your keychain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I like this thing, and I've got it partitioned. Did you know that you can partition a flash drive so that part of it's PC and part of it's Mac? But here's yes, the tip: is, is you have to have the PC partition first, so your because PCs are dumb and they won't read it otherwise.
0: Yeah. So but, and it's it's FAT thirty two. Right, right, yeah.
1: right. And then I've got the other partition HSF plus. So I've got this little um, drive partitioned. I think I've got it split up. It's a sixteen gig drive, and I think I've got it split up six for. I don't remember how I've got it split up, but um, I've got it split up enough that I could put a boot image on it for a Mac. And so I've got on this little partition, this is like my, I've got a couple of things that I've got a PC partition, but what I've got is I've got a secure disk image with uh, the what, what's the higher bit, 256 bit AES yeah. encryption, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I've put, um, some, some documents in there, including my one password keychain. Okay. So if push comes, if something really, really bad happens. Yeah. And, you know, my Dropbox gets nuked and my 1Password stuff gets nuked and it, it syncs and all of my backups are gone, which I can't imagine happening. But if something bad happens, I've got this this backup copy that is nowhere synced to the cloud that is with me at all times with all my passwords on it.
0: Nice. Now, where do you carry that? On my keychain. Yeah. I, I got one, too. Merlin, is he's the world's best marketer. He just mentioned something and I go buy it. Yeah. And then my so- daughter saw it. And she does a bunch of video at school, so she wanted one. And now I think everyone in the Tribuco Hills High School video program has one. So, yeah.
1: so I've, I've got my 1Password keychain on my keychain. Oh, And yeah. anyway, so what it does, I'm sorry, I never told you what the, what the keyboard maestro was. So when this particular flash drive is plugged in, which I've got an OmniFocus thing that reminds me every so many days to just plug it in, um, it mounts the secure sparse bundle. It copies the 1Password file to that sparse bundle it dismounts the secure sparse bundle and ejects or yeah. It, yeah and then i can eject the flash drive when i'm done with it
0: nice nice katie you're getting pretty good at so this I've, stuff. Learned, I've
1: learned a few things
0: yeah you also had the one for the podcast prep which is similar to one i have
1: yeah, this is one that I need a little bit of work on. And um, so podcast prep, and I was just thinking, I, I, what I've set this up is I've set this up as a keyboard trigger that when I, I hit a keyboard command on my, my Mac that it does all this. But I was thinking tonight as I was plugging in my microphone, this might be better as a USB trigger yeah. that when I plug my microphone in it does stuff. But what I have it set up right now to do, and it is a work in progress, is it quits all applications... And then it opens the show prep folder because we have a folder where all of our show prep is. And then it launches Skype. It launches piezo, uh, which is what we use to make our backup recordings of this show. Um, It launches shush, which is an application I got from the Mac app store that kind of makes a cough button for my mic if I need to push it. Um, And then this is the piece that I'm having trouble with that maybe you can help me or some of our listeners can help me with. I want to do three things. I want to pause my crash plan pause my Dropbox, and turn on my Do Not Disturb on my Google Voice, which is my home phone. And I have all of those things up in my menu bar. And the only way I can think of to do it is to do it with, you know, mouse clicks.
0: Yeah, keyboard, my risky.
1: Mouse yeah. clips, which is risky, especially because all this stuff is in Bartender, and you know things in Bartender can move around a little bit based on activity. Yeah. So if anybody knows of a way to... Um, I'd like to pause, not quit, but like pause for two hours, a, uh, a, a crash plan backup, pause for two hours, my Dropbox thinking and turn on my do not disturb on Google voice for two hours. If there's scripting ability or some way to do that, that's what I want to do. But in, because I couldn't figure out how to configure those, what you can set keyboard maestro to do is to send you a notification. So it does all that stuff. And then it pops a notification on my screen that says, Hey, silly, Make sure you turn all this stuff off.
0: Yeah, you could do that, but that's not as fun. You want it to just happen. Uh, I wouldn't attach it to the USB action, though, because I use the mic for other stuff. I, I do drag and dictate with my Fancy Pants podcasting mic, so I use it for other stuff.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, that's uh, Those are some really nice workflows, Katie. I'm impressed.
1: All right. What do you do um, with Keyboard Maestro? No,
0: I mean, you've. You've, I don't know. I stink. Have I stolen I, your thunder? I restart mail and I restart Army Focus, which you apparently do with cron jobs and entirely yeah. different app. I do that with LingOn. Um, I, I do the, this Wi Fi thing, I find kind of fascinating. So I've been playing with that a lot. And the one I mentioned at the beginning of the show is one I'm working on right now. So I show up and I have a specific Wi Fi network I attach to every day when I show up to work. So I've got it mounting the local server volume, I've got it opening OmniFocus. Focus. Mail and Jump Desktop, which is the um the the virtual machine application I run to get into the office PCs if I need to. Uh, there's a specific billing text file that I open with Byword. Uh, I close down the Messages app because my family and I all talk to each other in Messages all the time, and if I have it open at work, it'll be be distracting. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I've been very, very curious about closing down Twitter. But I just like Twitter so much and I enjoy taking little breaks. It's my um, sometimes when I do a Pomodoro run, I take a break and get on Twitter. So I think I need that joy in my life too much to shut it down. But I also have it open up Lexus because I spend a lot of time in this research website, Lexus, and I can have it go to my Lexus page in Safari. So a lot of stuff happens when I open Wi-Fi.
1: I was playing around with this and what I was playing around with, and I, I never ultimately finished this rule, but I was playing around with a rule that would basically, when I was on a Wi-Fi network that was not my home network, do certain things like turn off file sharing, turn off iTunes sharing, turn off photo sharing, you know, basically put my computer yeah. in a more secure Lockdown. state. Yeah. yeah. And I know there's, um, there's an app called, is it Control Plane that will do that? Yeah, I was just trying to figure out if uh, if I could, you know, do some of that with Keyboard Maestro, but I may just need to go check out Control Plane.
0: Yeah, I don't know that you have that many controls with Keyboard Maestro, so you'd be looking for actions that can turn off some sharing features.
1: And they're not, so you'd really have to do them by scripting, and then it'd be kind of, and then you got to turn them back on,
0: yeah, by
1: scripting when you get back on your home Wi-Fi network. And I could just kind of see that being fraught with issues.
0: Yeah. Um, so, there's a lot of other things you can do with it. Yeah, you can launch specific applications and web pages at specific days and times. So, it doesn't have to just be tied to Wi Fi, it could be a date and time thing. Um, like going through Instapaper. If you go through Instapaper every Sunday morning, that'd be kind of fun if you woke up and your Mac was ready for you to start on it. You just went to the Instapaper website. Um, I guess a shout out there, we're going to be doing a show on Read It Later services. So let us know if you have strong opinions about it. Uh, you can keep an application running, which we talk about. You can open any folder or file on your computer with a keyboard shortcut uh, w- with a specific application if you want. So any, let's say there's any file that you go to repeatedly, like that text file I was talking about earlier. There's a good place to go with Keyboard Maestro. You can have it happen for you. Um, you can activate specified menu items and applications. And this is something like the built-in Mac OS X keyboard shortcuts, but there are certain limitations to that, and this tries to get around them. I've had kind of mixed results with this. Have you played with this feature at all?
1: Kind of. Let me tell you something that I was trying to make happen, but kind of gave up on a little bit. You know what drives me crazy, and Apple's kind of fixing it with iOS 7, but not completely, is app updates. Yeah. So app updates in iTunes, they don't just automatically happen. You've got to, and so I was trying to figure out, can I make Keyboard Maestro at a certain time, launch iTunes and update all my apps? And I think you probably could with some certain key, it would be easier if there were keystrokes that you could use to do it. But I think now you would have to do it based on some mouse clicks because there are no menu items to take you to the app store and no menu items to update your
0: apps. Update all – well, there's an application called the Mac App Store or App Store.
1: No, Who I'm talking about – yeah, well, okay, that too. The App Store and, and iTunes, really, for iTunes apps. Yeah, or, yeah.
0: The, um. Well, they are fixing it with iOS 7 for the Mac apps. Those will update and, in the background. You'll just get a notification that they're done.
1: Right, which, right. But, which
0: raises another problem. What yeah. if you don't want the update?
1: Well, you can turn that off too. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if I want to – if I want a Keyboard Maestro widget that just – on a keystroke or on a specific day and time, it goes to iTunes and hits the update button for all my apps. Like I went to iTunes the other day and I had 32 app updates. Ouch. I know. Yeah. Now I didn't have that many on my phone or my iPad. Cause I hit the, you know, I don't like seeing that little, that little number on my, in my, uh, on my icon. So those were all updated, but you know, my iTunes apps weren't updated.
0: Does it make you angry?
1: It makes me very angry.
0: Then no, you know, I'm just too angry.
1: One keyboard maestro to fix that.
0: The um, you can also do a lot of actions with respect to like display brightness and volume and audio and iTunes actions. So there's a lot of fun you can have with this application. Uh, fortunate, unfortunately, there is no launch rocket command, but that there's always hope for version seven. So, keyboard maestro, and that will can, be
1: the end of the podcast, folks, because David will be taken away.
0: Well, it depends how big the rocket is. All right. Maybe it's a small rocket. But anyway, uh, so Keyboard Maestro, there is a place for it in your heart and your automation schedule. Go check it out. Uh, like I said, it's $36. Buy it from the developer, which is at, is it Keyboard Maestro? Yeah, it's keyboardmaestro.com. And um just go watch it. If you're not sold, at least go check it out. Because if you you've lasted this long through the podcast, you might as well give it a watch their screencast and see if you think it can help you out. I think it's a lot of fun and... I, I do enjoy, I do get an enjoyment factor out of this automation stuff. So may, I, I know I'm biased on that, but I also do really get a kick out of making the stuff go faster.
1: All right. Well, we've got a little bit of feedback. Um, do we have time for that?
0: Yeah, All definitely.
1: Right. Well, let's talk about our last sponsor and then get into a little bit of feedback for tonight.
0: Okay. And our last sponsor is PixelMater. And Pixelmator is about the most fun you can have with pictures for $15. You know, it's, it's a $15 application that's got just great picture um, editing tools and filters. It also does text. So you can do some design with it. Uh, you can get it in the Mac app store. Now it, it's an, it's an image program that was made for the Mac. And as a result, it takes advantage of the Mac. For instance, it does a lot of its work with the GPUs, the graphical processing units in your Mac. Whereas Some of the other applications that are multi-platform don't do that. They just look at the CPU, the computer's processing unit. Well, as we saw at WWDC, there's a lot of the Macs these days have some really powerful GPUs. So you might as well have all those GPUs working for you when you're working on images. But it also gives you some really powerful tools. My favorite tool that I've been using lately with Pixelmator is the paint selection tool. And it's like the magic, what is that called? Instant alpha on yeah. the Mac, but it's it's just like way better. And it's, it does a better job of finding edges. And in fact, I'd almost pay $15 for Pixelmator just for this feature, because I'm always pulling images out to include in keynotes and it's always a big pain, but with this tool, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes for their screencast on it. So you can kind of see it in action. They do it with a rose in the, in the preview, but I use it on all sorts of images and you just put the mouse on the screen on some image you want to cut out and you just drag it around. You don't have to get right on the edges. You don't have to try and follow the outline. You just drag it around the general area, and it automatically finds those, those edges for you and immediately highlights that. And then you can do anything you want with that. You can cut it out. You can, you can shade it or color it differently. You can make it black and white, or you can switch it to the inverse and make everything else black and white for a nice artistic feel. Um, or you can inverse it and delete the whole background. So then you've got a nice image that has no background on it. And it's called the Paint Selection Tool. It's right in the toolbar in Pixelmator. And I find myself going to that little that little icon all the time. So go check this out. If you already own Pixelmator, this is a great tool to learn. If you don't own Pixelmator, go spend 15 bucks and, and make this thing dance for you because it can. And if, you, if you're not used to using these image applications... This is the one to start with because they have great tutorials online. Uh, it's very Mac friendly. And before you know it, you're going to feel like you're an image pro. Go check out Pixelmator and, and thanks Pixelmator for supporting the show. All right. Feedback.
1: So we got a a, a really intriguing note from Klaus about, we were talking. Klaus. Uh, Klaus. Klaus, sorry. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so remember, I think it was in our iOS automation show where we talked about one of my favorite features of um, – I was going to talk about this in OmniFocus, but that's okay – of uh, reminders is that, and OmniFocus is that you can set OmniFocus to grab stuff out of your reminders, which is great because you can use Siri and things like that. And then you talked about how in drafts you can take a drafts list and send it to to reminders, and then why might you want to do that? Oh, because it's got really cool – you know integration with OmniFocus, so you can end up with this whole list of things that ultimately ends up in OmniFocus. But the issue with the reminders import into OmniFocus is you actually have to open up OmniFocus on the iPhone in order for it to import the stuff from Reminders. It doesn't happen automatically in the background.
0: Yeah, at least not yet. Not yet. <laughs> with uh, with iOS seven, it's going to be possible. So maybe that'll change.
1: Yeah. I is it going to be possible? I don't know. I hadn't heard that.
0: The multitasking maybe. is much more robust. So maybe it
1: will be. Think, yeah. All right. So, um Daniel Jockin, who we've had on this show before, um created a um I don't know if you'd call it a script or a, an application or whatever that he's posted up on, on GitHub um that scans a predefined reminders list and then add those entries to Omnifocus. And you may think, well, How does that happen on the iPhone? It doesn't happen on the iPhone. It happens on a Mac. So especially if you've got a Mac that's always on and running, this is a cool thing. Because guess what? If you've got a Mac that's synced up via iCloud, those things that you added to Reminders are probably already synced via iCloud to that Mac, even if you don't really have Reminders running on that Mac. So we'll put a link in the show notes to um, that script. And here's the the thing about it is you've got to compile it with Xcode. It's not like a pretty thing. But yeah. you can do that.
0: Stretch your boundaries. Have and some then, fun.
1: Yeah. And then you set up a cron job, which you can do with that beautiful tool I was talking about, Lingon. Or you can yeah, yeah do it in the terminal. And um, Klaus was saying that he's got it set up to run like every five minutes. So whenever he adds something to Reminders, OmniFocus will grab it on his Mac and then sync. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Clever. Clever. Christian wrote about Undercover and uh, when we were talking about security, and he said that he uses in combination with Find My Mac, so he hopes he never needs it, but if he does, it's got some great tools. And Undercover uh, gives you, uh, he says, the more interesting, especially is in combination with Witness. See, and I wasn't aware of this application, Witness. I've never never
1: heard of Witness. I've heard of Undercover.
0: Yeah. So he said he has set up in a number of combinations, but what rang the bell was when I was talking about the restart shutdown Mac using Launch Center Pro, Drafts, and Dropbox and Hazel. So I made this just crazy rule that goes through all those applications to make stuff happen from your, your iPhone. And he says, Witness is an, a companion iOS app. So when you have your phone and you leave the location, it auto arms and disarms upon the return. Well, that's pretty cool. So you walk out of the room and it locks up. I'm gonna to have to check this out. It also has a very cool car so it's alarm sound. Is it watching noise. you? I don't I, I would imagine that's a Bluetooth. It's looking for Bluetooth um oh, awareness. Eyesight? Wow. Fancy. I want to check this Skynet. out. Skynet. And then he says it has a car alarm sound. So when it walks away it goes, you know, chip chip. Which might make me crazy too. It's
1: hysterical. And, 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 I could see and, and, you like in court or in a mediation and you walk away from your computer and he goes, doot, doo.
0: That would be kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That, now that's, it. I got to go buy this now just for that. And then um, it has an Apple script. So he says, yeah, like, you could have it email you when someone's using the computer and I'm out. Oh, I don't care if they use the computer. But, um, or Katie could have her send herself a self destruct. Mac button when the CIA comes knocking. Well, I think if they're I've already come got one of those set up good. with drafts, there was a great book. I think it was a Neil Gaiman book. What was cryptonomicon? Who who wrote that book? Is it Neil Gaiman? I, I always know. mix these guys up. Cryptonomicon. Anyway, there's a, there's a part in the book where they have just hold on. I was there. Oh, Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson. No, this is a really great story for nerds. They have a a room where they have created a magnet in the door jam, a huge super magnet in the door jam. So when they pull the server out, it wipes it.
1: Oh, yeah. I've heard the story before. Yeah.
0: I thought it was a great idea. Anyway. Okay. What if
1: if you take it out the window?
0: You don't have any windows in a room like that. Okay. Okay. If you watched
1: Fringe, you would know that it would be possible to teleport into the alternate universe, go out from under it, teleport back with the server, and then walk it out.
0: I don't even know what you just said.
1: Because Olivia did that to get the child observer out of the Liberty Island, but I won't say. And really, that for and, risk and you of, thought
0: I was going off the the rails
1: for risk of spoiling things. Anyway,
0: too late. Okay, uh, we also heard from uh, we heard from some people talking about cheat sheets because we had talked about cheat sheets, and uh, there were some other applications worth mentioning. cards is one, which is Shareware, and it is, I believe a web-based is that where they pull it off of the web yeah and you get the f12 key they show up on the screen that's kind of cool key Q. I i think i think key Q was the original one in this space and you hold down the command key and it costs money but it's got some more features and maybe it's a little prettier um so that's one worth checking out k-e-y-c-u-e and you can have it display global sh- global shortcuts which is nice i don't think anybody else does that So there's some more keyboard shortcut uh, cheat sheet style applications.
1: Yeah. And then lastly, I just wanted to follow up a little bit. It's been a couple of shows and we've lived through the apocalypse um, that was the Google Reader shutdown. And we had a couple of people mention, uh, you know, hey, you forgot this service. You forgot that service. Um, You know, we didn't talk about Zite or some of the other services. Um but some of the services like Feed Wrangler you know, have have continued to, to update. Like I know there was a there was an issue with Feed Wrangler that we noticed on the um um, that when they would import stuff that if you had stuff organized into folders, they wouldn't import to folders. And I had this whole conversation with Dr. Drang on Twitter about this. Well that got updated a few days later and now if you import your feeds that were in folders, they'll automatically convert into smart streams and save into folders. And one of the neat features of Feed Wrangler that we didn't point out and something that I'm enjoying is you know how sometimes you'll go through Twitter and you'll see these links to cool stuff on Twitter or somewhere else and so you'll add them to your instapaper or your pocket queue or or whatever. Um, if you feed Wrangler will uh, periodically check those cues. And if you've already found an article and added it to your read later queue, it won't show you that article. It will already show that article is read. So you don't have to see it twice because it knows, oh, you've already got it to read later. So clever. I thought that was clever.
0: I, I kind of got a thrill out of the fact the day the show published, people were having a hard time getting signed up for feed Wrangler. It's like their server got hit. And I just in my mind, I believe it was our listeners.
1: Okay, you know it makes ahead.
0: me feel good. All I right. don't know. It makes me feel bad too because I recommended it and people are having trouble getting signed up. But I, I've had really great success with that. I've heard from a few people who said, "Hey, Dave, I don't really like Feed Wrangler, and um, I like something simpler like Feedler." And that's cool. I get it. Um, although I still really like what what Feed, Feed Wrangler is doing, and. We all survived the apocalypse. in fact, it's kind of funny we're recording this on the apocalypse day. We're recording this on July one but it seems so like we everything's haven't survived yet. Fine.
1: you and i haven't they have, but we haven't yet
0: yeah, I haven't looked at my max Sparky numbers to see if I got hit Do
1: yeah that's that's one thing that I'm concerned about is if you some of these services like feed Wrangler that um because they pull all at once, I think people are going to see there's if you if you track your subscribers to your website. Because you may have, and I'm just making up a number, uh, you know, 10,000 people that were subscribers by Google Reader that were showing up as individual subscribers are now subscribers by Feed Wrangler. They may now show up as one person.
0: Or 5,000 5, less today. So looks like I got hit a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'll have to look because I, I was afraid because when I looked um, June 30th at my numbers, uh, I would say upwards of 70% of them were still coming from Google Reader. But I think a lot of some of these API clones are, are showing as Google Reader for some, depending yeah. on where you're getting your stats from.
0: Yeah. And we're recording this at about seven o'clock Pacific. So I still have a few hours left today. So,
1: you know, quick, everybody go read David's site.
0: People will figure it out. Or maybe maybe they uh, they they expired and They're like, I really don't want to read that idiot anymore. And they just didn't come back. And that's all right, too. Could be it. Yeah. Well, Katie, it was fun recording the show. And oh, we're actually I'm, in I'm under up, the hour and a half.
1: I'm up two and a half percent. Your, your subscribers came to me.
0: Yeah, they. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because you're better <laughs> at, at Keyboard maestro after two weeks than I am after two years.
1: There you go. There you go. All right. Well, this was a fun show. Um, I'm glad. And we will have more fun shows to come. And remember, show 150 is coming. So send us your workflows with show 150, show space 150 in the subject line, and we will check them out.
0: You can also send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers. Uh, you can reach us on the Twitter. Uh, we're at MacPowerUsers. Uh, Katie is at Katie Floyd, of course. Because it names. rolls
1: so well together, yeah. And, and David is uh, at MacSparking.
0: Yeah, and thanks to our sponsors, Pixelmator, Omnigroup, Disk, and 1Password for being here. And we will see you next week. We have a pretty cool guest lined up for next week. And so long as everything works out, you, we're going to have some fun.
1: And if it doesn't work out, yeah.